Amen. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Hopefully, you'll be able to quote this verse by memory by the time we get done. This will be the fifth Wednesday night that we have talked about this particular uh, verse. 1 John 2, 15. Read it with me, if you would, out loud. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to have his way. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to hear your word, Lord, and to let it come to life in our hearts tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you continue to speak to your people. Touch us, Lord, by your word in Jesus' name. We know, Lord, your word is truth. We know, Lord, that you will sanctify us through it. And, Lord, we know that we are saved by it. We thank you for it, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. I guess if I were to title this, obviously we're talking about a series on love, not the world. But I guess if I would entitle this tonight, it would be as he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. Now my hope is that you are seeing greater things concerning these verses in 1 John chapter 2 by being here in the last few weeks, in the last five, uh, four to be exact. Uh, last week we discovered the danger of neutral things as we see in the days of Noah and in the days of Sodom. Jesus did not mention any sinful things as being the characteristics of the days of Noah and the days of Sodom. It's pretty obvious that they got distracted by neutral things and that led them away into other things. So there was a voice of the Spirit that went out last Wednesday that said, be careful about buying and selling and building and marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking. There's nothing inherently wrong with those things, but yet we can get carried away with life and then become distracted. Somebody say amen. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we find where the scripture says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Everybody say that. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad I've got the light of God, which is life, in me tonight. So this statement is not surprising to the least of any of us. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But the next one may be more challenging and even more surprising. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Listen to what he says. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but upon a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. We find in the first uh, passage in John 8 where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, he says, we are the light of the world. He does not exhort us to be the light. He doesn't say, oh, I wish you would be the light. He explains plainly that we are, everybody say are. We are the world's light. Whether we bring our illumination into our jobs where men can see it, whether we take the light into Walmart or not where people can see it, or we hide it away in a little church building on Sunday and Wednesday And that's when we bring it out and we enjoy it and we know it's precious. Uh, But Jesus said, the light, which is the life that has been planted in you, 
is the light that Jesus said he was and now we are. So it should affect the world. It is foreign to the world. They don't understand it because they love darkness rather than light. But it is a source of light designed to illuminate the world that we live in. Somebody say amen. It is a stark contrast to the darkness in which this world abides. It's amazing to me that when you start talking about spiritual principles to somebody, uh, how they don't understand it. You know, it's like trying to explain the grandeur of uh, the Grand Canyon to a blind person. They can't understand it. The Bible says it's because the enemy, uh, the, the God of this world has blinded their minds lest they should believe the glorious gospel. So there is a danger of being blind. That's the darkness that this world lives in. It's called spiritual blindness. But in Matthew 5, 16, which is the very next verse that talks about us being the light, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So it's obvious from this that to separate ourselves from the world today and deprive it of the only light source it can have, in no way does that glorify God. It does not glorify God for us to say this world is horrible. Let's go buy 40 acres somewhere and let's all move out there and build a high fence to keep the world out. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying now? If what Jesus said is true, that the world's only light is you and I, it's obvious that he didn't want us to separate ourselves and deprive the world of the only light source that it has. In fact, we find where that hinders the plan of God. Uh, let, let me give an example of that. John the Baptist, the Bible tells us there was something that was characteristic to his ministry. He, in fact, drew away from religious people and drew away from the world. He did, in fact, withdraw from the world, living in what the Bible calls a desert place. In fact, he lived so separated, he would not even go to the grocery store. He ate a diet of locusts and wild honey, not bought honey, not processed honey, not honey from somebody's farm that he found in Walmart. This is wild honey. You remember what the Bible said his clothes were made of. He didn't go to Walmart to get him some new britches. He didn't go to the mall to get him a nice fancy coat. Hello? He found his, his diet in the wilderness. He found his clothing in the wilderness. In fact, he stayed away from everybody. And we are reminded of something very important. John 1 verse 8, look at it. Talking of John the Baptist. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that life. John was the last of the old prophetic order, the forerunner of Jesus, who is the true light of the world. Now notice the guy that the Bible says he's not the light. They would have to go out into the wilderness to hear him. But look at verse 9 of that same chapter. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Jesus didn't go out into the wilderness and, and make himself uh, uh, separate from, the Bible says he was criticized for eating and drinking with sinners. We studied it a few weeks ago. John, the Bible says, the religious criticized him. They said he doesn't eat or drink with the religious elite, so he must have a devil. And then Jesus came and he ate and drank, and the religious called him a drunkard, a glutton, and a man that accepted sinners. 
You recognize that when you're pleasing God, there are some people that are going to gripe about everything. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad he's not talking about me now. John didn't please him. He stayed away from everybody and didn't eat nor drink. And the religious folks said he's got a devil. Jesus accepted everybody, sat down at everybody's table, and they said he's a drunkard and a glutton. You just cannot please everybody. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to please the Lord, and that's who I'm going to please. Well, clap your hands under the Lord right now. Paul said that if we are dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, then the touch not, taste not, and handle not is not the source of our deliverance. We are not holy because we don't touch certain things, don't eat certain things, and don't handle certain things. Uh Uh-oh. Our victory begins when we realize that this world and everything in it is under the sentence of death. But we must go further than this. Romans chapter 14 tells us that Paul tells us how the Christian life, how the word of God in in Romans 14 tells us that the Christian life is something altogether removed from what we do and what we don't do. I'm going to press on because there are people in this room right now that the biggest thing on on your radar is what you do and don't do. In fact, what you do and don't do is bigger to you than God. Why do you say that? Because that's what has all your attention. When God sweeps in a service, there's no uh, sign in you that God has your attention. What does have your attention is what you do and what you don't do. But Paul said it's not about what you do and what you don't do. In fact, Romans 14 verse 17, look at this. Romans 14, this is the word of the Lord. Everybody say, this is the word of the Lord. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, He's talking about what some people do and other people won't do. Their diet, what they eat, what some people say, oh, we're real holy because we don't eat that stuff. And Paul says the kingdom of God is not what you eat and not what you drink. But it is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy. I want to tell you right now, if you're enamored with what you don't do and it steals your joy, something's wrong with you. No, I'm going to say that again. If, you, if your attention is on what you do or don't do and it robs your joy, something's wrong with you. Because the Holy Ghost ought to give you joy. The Holy Ghost ought to give you peace. Everybody all right? The child of God lives and is guided not by rules specifying how far he can mix with the world. Where's the line, pastor? I don't need to call the pastor and ask him if I can go to prom. You ought to know that stuff. What's wrong with this movie? You don't need to call the pastor and ask him what's wrong with this movie. If I've got to tell you there's something wrong with your walk with God. That's the point of this love, not the world. There ought to be something in you that says, I don't want anything that is dying to come into my spirit because I am light. Oh, somebody praise him right now. Somebody praise him right now. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. I, I, I did a little cursory study. I didn't go very far because, uh, frankly, it got, uh, it, got, it got too twisted for even a sermon illustration. But 
when you, you can investigate uh, lyrics of groups that are popular right now, whether it's in, in certain segments of, of society, whatever their genre may be. And you just read the lyrics, just, just read the lyrics. And you start thinking, I wonder why people have to ask if there's something wrong with this. I wonder why there needs to be a rating uh, formula for the church of the living God. Well, we'll only watch certain things that are rated this or that. You know what? There's been some G stuff that I had in my house that I turned the clicker off and said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not watching that. No, you see, I cannot let the world set the agenda because I am the light. The... uh, The world's in darkness. I could care less that they stamp it, gee, this is good for general audience. And my little daughter's sitting there and there she is worshiping the tree and grandma starts talking to her from the tree and I recognize this is pantheism and I'm not gonna let my kids think this is normal. I know it's animated. I know it's Pocahontas, but you're not watching that stuff. Oh, it's no big deal. Listen, who's the light? Is the world the light? No, I'm the light. All right. So, think about this. When you go down to Mount Vernon, just so you know, you don't run into me, and you pay your ticket at the movie theater, And you say, oh, there's nothing wrong with this because it wouldn't be any different than we brought it in our house. And you start ingesting that stuff. I want you to remember from this message tonight that everything the world has to offer you is darkness. Everything you pull off their shelf, everything you entertain yourself with, what you listen to, It's darkness. It comes out of a world of darkness. So why should I stick my finger in the air and get my direction from this world? Everybody okay? All right. Well, I know you're probably wishing last week would have been the last lesson, but we're going to go further. The child of God is guided not by rules. Where Brother Gene said we couldn't watch anything that was rated worse than PG. Hello? I've heard about some trips that church folks went on that was rated worse than PG. I've heard about some conversations people had in a church bus that were rated worse than PG. We're not talking about straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. We're not talking about not watching anything worse than PG, but our mind be R-rated. Maybe it's the coat. Maybe maybe I should take the coat off. Is it the coat? Kevin's distracted. He said it's the coat, Brother G. Hey, mate, well, I won't go there. Listen, and I think it's very important that we preach against certain things and we stand against certain things and we, we honor separation that the Spirit brings. That's not what I'm saying. But this is not the focus of a child of God. It's not, our focus is not the kingdom being what we eat or don't eat or what we drink or don't drink. And that's, that's terminology for things that others may be offended over and others aren't offended over. And that's what happens in Romans 14. Paul is dealing with conscience inches issues not salvation issues not downright sinful issues he's dealing with things that may not be really bad but there may be some that feel like I need to stay away from this and Paul said I want you to know it's not about what you eat or don't eat or drink or don't drink but it's about the righteousness of God the peace of God and the joy of God in the Holy Ghost Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. So with that in mind, let's focus on one of those. I don't have time to preach all three of them. If the kingdom of God is not what we eat or not don't eat, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy, let's focus just for a minute on peace. 
peace. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, shalom. <laughs> shalom. You are now, you now speak another language. Shalom. It means peace. Peace be with you. Let's focus on peace. How many would say you're at peace tonight? Wow. Three, four, five hands. Well, okay. Let, let me rephrase that. Let me say that if right now nothing changed in your life, that where, the, where, where you are right now in your status, where you are right now in your salvation, where you are right now in your health, you're at peace with that. Let me see your hands. You're at peace with your health. You're at peace with your wealth. So you notice now we start losing a few hands. Most of the people waving their hands are in good health. <laughs> there are people that found it a little difficult to raise their hand that are dealing with heart issues. Dealing with pain. When situations come our way, it has the propensity to rob our peace. Somebody say amen. Now what is that peace? The Greek word which I'm not going to try to pronounce. I made a valiant effort in my office, but I dare not stumble over it here. But I will say that word for peace means harmonious relations and freedom from disputes. Being at harmony, freedom from disputes. In the, the, the word, the sense of the word is the absence of war with others and with yourself. In your mind, let me ask you this. When you think about war, can you, can you even comprehend the effects of war? In fact, yesterday was the 73rd anniversary of D-Day. You've probably seen the pictures or, or um, you know, seen the effects of that invasion and towns were completely destroyed. Uh, when you're at war, there's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of fallout. When you're warring with other people, there's a lot of destruction that goes on. When you're at war in your mind, it affects your body. It's destructive. Uh, so that leads me to ask each one of you here tonight, do you have the peace of God in the Holy Ghost? To be in such a state of peace that is best described by the absence of war. I'm not worried, I'm not fearful, I'm not anxious, I'm not laying awake at night. Now it gets a little different, doesn't it? Now I'm not worried about my job, I'm not worried about my health, I'm not worried about... The president, I'm not worried about the Congress, somebody say amen, I, I, I can go to bed tonight and be at peace. Well, let's look at John 16, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace, somebody say praise the Lord, in me, in Jesus you have peace, oh, in the world you shall have tribulation. I think there are some preachers that have not ever read that verse. Because all they preach is prosperity. God wants to bless you. He's going to, everything you touch is going to turn to gold. I'm sorry, Jesus said, in me is the peace. In the world is tribulation. It is snake oil to convince people that if they live for the Lord, they're never going to get a bad report from the doctor. It is snake oil to sell people the bill of goods that says if you go to church, you're never going to lose your job. You're always going to be at the top end of the pay scale. You're going to have a bunch of cars and a few boats and a big house. And you're welcome at our church because we all believe that riches mean you're blessed. Jesus said in the world you're going to have trouble. Wake up folks. This is the words of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're going to have more trouble. But cheer up. 
Look at that. In the world, you're going to have trouble, but cheer up. Cheer up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, cheer up. Why? Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Now, how easily we get troubled as soon as something goes wrong. Can I get an amen? Amen. Think about the great purpose of God and his plan and his desires just for a moment. Think about, let's just put this on the table when we start talking about the stuff we're worried about. The stuff we're anxious over. Think about God's plan just for a minute. Now, let, let me let you in on a little secret. Job one day decided he was going to take his case to God. He was going to tell him all about his trouble. And when God finally answered him, Job didn't have anything left to say. In other words, God's deal was bigger than Job's little deal. So let's look at God's plan and his desires. God, who is light, had a plan. And the Bible says that light shined out of darkness and he created a world to be the arena of that plan. Amen? You know, I need to slow down. God was light. He dwelled in the light that no man could approach. But he decided he would share that light with others. So out of the darkness he created... And then the devil stepped into that world that God created and thwarted God and men loved darkness rather than light. Yet in spite of the enemy stepping in and confusing God's creation and to this day we have sickness and temptation and and bondage and we need deliverance because of it. Yet in spite of that plan being set back I want you to notice something very important. It is that peace of God that does something very specific. Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace of God. Everybody say peace of God. You remember that little song we used to sing? We, we sung it a few times. Peace of God, cover me. Cover me. Cover me. I always thought I couldn't write songs. But whoever wrote this one showed me how simple it is. Peace of God, cover me. Through the storm. Three stanzas. Peace of God, cover me, and through the storm. You got a song. Only in you I find. Make it up. Strength. Peace. I don't even know the rest of the song. Everybody say the peace of God. The peace of God that passes understanding shall keep your hearts. Now that word keep and... and I'm, I'm hurrying. That word keep uh, is, is like a garrison or a walled fort. Shall keep your hearts. Peace is like a garrison to your heart and your mind. Now, think about what this garrison really means. The Greek word means to watch over, to guard, or to protect. So think for a minute about this keep. Think about your mind and your heart being a wall city and the peace of God is standing on the wall watching out for you. Before your foe can get in the walls and destroy your peace, he has to first of all take out the garrison. He has to take out the one that's watching over you. Now, are you hearing what I'm saying now? Before I can be overcome, the guard, the watchman, must first of all be overcome. Can I dare say that I can be just as peaceful as God? Is everybody okay? I want to tell you right now what we're battling is a spirit of fear in this church. And I'm preaching against it whether you realize it or not right now. That we can, 
rebuke it and get up and talk in tongues and tell it to leave. But the fact of the matter is, the word is the sword that drives it out. I'm asking you tonight, can you dare be as peaceful as God? Oh no, you don't know what I'm worried about. No, I'm telling you the Bible says that there's a, there's a watchman on the wall. There's somebody keeping you. And the keeper of your mind and heart has peace. God's not worried tonight. He's not fearful. He knows what the doctor said, but he's... Oh, yeah. And he's watching out for you. He cares for you. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Yes. John, okay. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Everybody say, my peace. Now this... This is very important. Well, I, I, the Bible says that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We need to come to a biblical understanding that the peace we have is not our peace from the absence of any conflict. The peace we have is God's peace. The peace that God has is the peace that I have. Now try that on for size. Go home and explain your fear to me after you read that verse when it says that God has not given you a spirit of fear. No, he gave you his peace. Not somebody else's peace. Not peace that everything's paid for. Not peace that you don't feel a tumor somewhere. No, he said, I give you peace that I have. That's what we need. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That is a command. Now let, let me just give you a few examples. Let's, let's talk about Jesus for a minute. He was, he was very misunderstood. Everything he did was wrong in certain people's eyes. They identified the spirit that was in him as of a devil. They accused him of gluttony and drunkenness. We mentioned it just a minute ago. Let, let's look at his response. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. Here's the peace of God I'm talking about. It's not about the opinions of other people. Matthew eleven nineteen. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Now, uh, he said, they're talking about me. They say I'm a drunkard. They say I'm an alcoholic. They say I'm full of the devil. Look down at verse 25. They're talking about him. There's, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Lord of heaven and earth. Look at that. Did you miss it? Surely you didn't. <laughs> He said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. That's the only statement you need to read there. The rest of the verse is pretty good, but the first part of it is what I want to focus on. They're talking about Jesus. They're accusing him of being a drunkard. They're saying he's full of the devil, and you know what he does? <laughs> thank you, Lord. That's the point. The point is the peace of God says it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what the doctor report is. Oh, I just thank you, Lord. Give me the peace of God. He's unmoved. He's unshaken. That's what I want. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. In fact, let, let's... Let's go a little further. Think about the night of his betrayal. Now, I'm just talking about peace. I'm not talking about righteousness and joy. I'm just talking about peace. Think about the night he was betrayed. A friend left the dinner party in the middle of the night and sold him out. While he was praying, a crowd came to carry him away. One of his other friends took a sword out in anger and caused a deep wound. People scattered and were running. In fact, when you study the original, the indication is they ran away so fast to escape, they left some of their clothing. They wanted to get out of there. And when that crowd came into that garden seeking Jesus, notice his peaceful saying. 
John 18, 5. They said, we're looking for Jesus. <laughs> I don't see any agitation. He answered him. They answered, he said, whom seek ye? And then this is the verse that starts verse 5. They answered him, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. Look what Jesus says. I'm he. I wonder in that moment, Ryan, you know, in that moment, somebody's looking for us. Oh, that's not me. Well, he just left without his shirt on. See that guy running? That's him. That's agitation. That's worry. That's fear. They said, we're looking for Jesus. And he said, I'm he. And Jesus assault, Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he said unto them, look at this. As soon as he said, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Did you see that? Now, I would ask some uh, good man to come up here and demonstrate for me how you go backwards and fall to the ground. What does that look like? To fall, you know, uh, Solomon writing in Proverbs talks about the pillars getting weak. He's talking about the major muscle groups of the legs. To fall, uh, how do you fall? You trip over something. Uh, that's, that's an easy way to fall. Or, if, you know, if you get a little older, you, you, your knees get weak. Oh, it's, my, it's my bum knee. I fell because my knee gave out. Now, I don't know if these, these guys were evidently pretty stalwart fellows. They're a pretty rough crew. I'm not sure if they, if they tripped over stuff. I'm not sure what caused them to fall. But one thing is for sure. The one that was agitated in that crowd that night was not Jesus. The one that lost all of his ability to stand that night was not Jesus. The one that got weak in the knees that night was not Jesus. He stood there in the peace of God. Oh, come on, saints of God, I'm talking to you. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things in it. And if we love this world and the things in it, there's gonna come a day when the carpet is pulled out from under us and we get agitated and we get worrisome and we get anxious. But oh God, give us your peace that says this world is not my home. I'm just passing this way. Oh, come on, clap your hands under the Lord right now. Reminds me of some of the stories I've read about the martyrs for the cause of Christ. They weren't the ones fearful and afraid. And Jesus draws a contrast. In the world, you'll have tribulation. In me, you'll have peace. Did you hear that? Oh, no, you didn't hear the implications of it. In the world, you'll have trouble. In me, you'll have peace. So let me ask you, what are you in tonight? Because if you've got a heart full of trouble and a mind full of worry, the Lord tells you what you're in. You're in the world. You're in the world if you got trouble. You're in, now I'm not talking about our life's going to be perfect. If we're living for Jesus, our life's going to be perfect. This has to do with the peace of God. He said, in the world, you'll have trouble. But in me, you'll have peace. This is why when the storm's raging and the disciples are about to abandon the ship, this is why they go down into the bottom of the ship and they find Jesus wringing his thumbs. Dear God, oh God, that's me. What are we going to do? No, what's he doing? He's asleep. How do you do that? Must have been tired, Pastor. Am I okay? Righteousness, peace, and joy, these are the things of the kingdom. We do not overcome the world by eating and drinking or not eating and drinking. We overcome the world not by giving up the world's things. We overcome the world by being other world minded. 
I'm not of this world. This is not my home. We overcome by possessing a love, a joy, and a peace that the Bible says the world cannot give. But they surely need it, don't they? The world needs that peace, don't they? And amazingly, I am said to have it. Wow, now let that settle in on you. Jesus said, you have it. The world needs it. Let's ask what your response might be in the waiting room when the doctor comes out and says there's nothing else we can do. You know what? If you start cursing God right then, the world doesn't need that. They got enough of that. You're the light of the world. The world needs the peace you're supposed to have. I'm convinced. That we, could, we wouldn't have enough chairs to put out in that gymnasium. We'd be forced to break ground if this church would be what God says it is. If we would have the peace God says we have. If we would demonstrate the love that God says we have. Now you're taking issue with the Lord, but He says I've got righteousness. He says I have peace. And He says I have joy. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I got joy. I'm just not really acting like it right now. We overcome by being other world minded. You know, I was sitting on my back porch tonight. It's called a deck. I've got, I had a little agenda with the deck today. The deck was built with those galvanized nails as fasteners. Well, you know, over time, that deck starts moving. I kind of left it there for a long time because nobody wanted to come out on the deck with me because all those nails were sticking up about a half an inch. So you're like walking on spikes. I enjoyed the solitude. (laughs) I thought, you know, other people ought to be able to enjoy this deck. So I went and got me five pounds of galvanized screws and I sat down and slid across the deck pulling out every nail. Every nail. That's a lot of nails. I'd I'd get uh, where I couldn't feel my feet so I'd stand up, bend over. Then I couldn't feel my back So I'd get on my knees. And then I wouldn't be able to feel my knees. And I would sit back down. This was the dance I was doing all afternoon. In one of those restful periods, Brother John, I got up, got my glass of water and sat in the chair in the shade. And all of a sudden, this awakening thought hit me. The Bible says that I'm allotted 70 years. I know that. It's it's in there. Some get more because of strength. But the Bible says your allotment, about 70 years. All of a sudden, Sister Shirley, it hit me sitting on that deck. I'm sore. I can't feel my feet. Something said to me, you're 15 years away from that. And I was like, no way. And something said, way. Fifteen years. You know I've been here 25 years? You know how fast 15 years flies? And something sitting on my deck with my feet numb said, you got 15 years left. I want to tell you right then, I fell out on the floor weeping and crying. I said, God, you shouldn't treat me like that. <laughs> I'm the pastor. <laughs> Pick my lip out and crawl across the deck and say, Lord, I serve you and I love you and I read the Bible and I pray. I don't deserve this. No, you know what the fact is? Every one of us are going to fill a lump one day. 
And it's not going to be good news. Every one of us is going to go to the doctor and they're going to say, we can't do much with what you brought us. But in that moment, what do you have? Are you living for this world? Is this where you're going to abide the rest? Oh no, this is not my home. This is not where I'm going to live. I'm going to a better place. Don't love this world, nor the things in it. Set your affections. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. John 17, 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. I want you to just leave that up there, Sister Faith. Jesus is praying here in John 17. Come on, let's, let's do that song I don't know. Peace of God, cover me. John 17, verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. What a statement. What a statement. Did you catch it? Jesus says, as you sent me, so I send them. That's why tonight, this lesson on love not the world is entitled, as he is, so am I. He said, Father, as you sent me, so I send them. The guy that was asleep in the storm says, as I am in the world, so I send them. So I look myself in the spiritual mirror and say, do I have that kind of peace tonight? I mean, think about it. He's standing in Pilate's hall and Pilate said, I've got the power to give you your life. And Jesus said, you can't give it. You can't take it. No man takes my life. I lay it down. As he is, so am I. Think about it. In the moments when he was about to be crucified. What peace. Oh, it, I'm not talking about painless crucifixion. He felt every bit of it. But I'm talking about peace. It's something Satan can't destroy nor have any part of. The church is a divine settlement planted right here in the middle of Satan's territory. Is everybody okay? All right. Let me say that again. The church is a divine settlement planted right here in the middle of a dark world. It is an intrusion of the devil's territory, one against which he is utterly powerless. He can't do anything about the church of the living God. Philippians 2.15 That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Somebody say amen. How many know this world is crooked and perverse? In that crooked and perverse world, among whom you shine as lights. There ought to be something in you that when you go to work, people say, wait a minute, he's not worried like me. He's not afraid like me. He's not running for his life like me. He's not agitated like I am. He doesn't need a cigarette like I need a cigarette. There's something about the, oh, that's the light. God deliberately placed us here to expose the divine light for everybody to see. We are to show this world for what it is. It's dark. We have the answer. Not only that, we are to testify that if they will turn to the light, they too will be set free from this world's darkness. Nothing would please Satan more than to see its light removed. 
This is the issue I have with people saying, well, our country started going down the, drain, the, 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 the toilet. Our country went down the drain. I'm trying to find the right plumbing instrument. Toilet, drain, whatever it is. Flush, garbage. Our nation went down the drain when they took prayer out of the schools. Really? Wait a minute. Are your kids in school? Because if they are, prayer should be in school. Because your kid's there. Oh, well, you start, well, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about them letting us pray. Well, wait a minute, before you go that far, let's think about this. If they let your little Johnny pray, then they've got to let somebody else pray who may not pray to the God you like them praying to. Because it, it's discrimination to let Lynn pray to Jesus and not let the little fellow over there pray to Buddha or to Allah. Uh-oh. We just woke up. It's like, oh, yeah. We only want people praying to Jesus, right? But they don't think that way. So when they said, we're not going to let anybody pray, guess what? Jonathan, you're in school, pray. You're in college, pray. Prayer's in school as long as the light's there. Yeah, yeah, my daughter said, Dad, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to make it at public school. Well, they're not so worried about their their, their walk with the Lord. They were more worried about their lessons. I said, oh, yeah, you're dumb bunnies. You don't know what you're doing. Hopefully, you'll make a C. This is the whole point. We are called to be the light. And the Lord said, I send you just as God sent me. Aren't you glad, Betty, that Jesus didn't stay where all the light was? Oh, we've got a nice little world up here in heaven and we're going to all stay here. We're not letting any of that bad stuff in here. Aren't you glad that Jesus stepped down into our darkness? Let me ask you, why do you think you have that job? It's not to make your retirement. That's a good thing. That's a benefit. But you've got that job because the Lord wants you to be a light there just as he's a light. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. In fact, let me say this. We cause the devil a lot of trouble just by being here. (laughs) You don't have to come to church to give the devil a black eye. Give him a black eye at Walmart. Give him a black eye while you're grocery shopping. (laughs) Man, okay, I'll I'll have fun when I get home. I'm gonna enjoy this sermon when I get home. I'm feeling it. Mark 16, verse 15, look at this. He said unto them, he said unto them, everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. What did he tell you? What did he tell you? Say it loud. What did he tell you? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. You're the light of the world. As God sent me, so I send you. We who are not of it have no reason at all to leave it for it is where we should be. Jesus said, go into the world. There's no need for us to quit our jobs. There's no reason to separate our lives in a world compartment and a spiritual compartment. Well, this is church and this is work. We do not need to to live lives disassociated from this world. Everything we do in our workplace At our schools. Everything is to be claimed for Jesus Christ. Because the devil would much rather there be no light in the store, no light in the factory, no light in the hospital, and no light in the school, and no light in city government. In fact, you know what he tries to do? He tries to frighten us out. 
The devil knows that if we ever realize we are the light of the world, it's over. People will want what you've got when it's peace like a river, when it's joy that's unspeakable. I want to say, thank you, Lynn. Appreciate it. I want to tell you right now, I've met some Pentecostal people that I thought, if that's Pentecost, I'm going to be Baptist. There are some Pentecostals that are dirty. Now, I'm not talking about B.O. dirty. I'm talking about treat people dirty, say things about people, go to the store and act like they're mad at everybody, scream at the checkout lady because she's not going fast enough. Go home and throw stuff against the wall because your wife doesn't have your supper cooked. Oh, I'm preaching now, aren't I? Yeah, you're the light of the world, aren't you? Slap your kids around and punch holes through the walls. And Hey, let me tell you something. Men are not the only one with anger problems. Can I hear an amen from you men? <laughs> yeah, we got some women here that eat up with anger. Control issues. I don't know where they got their doctorate, but they got it in, in manipulation. You're the light of the world. Yeah, you are. Chelsea talked to me about her. She's going to church in Wichita, and she said, you know, Dad, brother, she's going to Merle Cornwell's church, and Merle Cornwell is a wild man. She said, you know, he does something when he counsels people. He doesn't let them talk. He's the, he's the first one that does all the talking. And he says, when he calls somebody into counsel, he sits them down and he says, okay, before you say anything about what's going on, I want you to know right now that I'm not going to let you hinder my preaching because of what you're going through. Say it's a wife beating up her husband. See how I did that? I had to change it because there may be a man in here beating up his wife that if I said that, he'd think I was talking about him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The pastor has a dance around the minefield because he knows you called him or you text him. This is why the ministry of an evangelist is so spectacular because he gets up there and says things and you go, wow, how does he know that? Now me, I know all your garbage. When I start preaching about it, you're like, yep, he's talking about me. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I told him in the office. And look at there, he's preaching about it. <laughs> she said, Dad, you know what Brother Cornwell does? He tells him, you're probably going to hear about this in two or three weeks. But I'm not going to let you keep me from preaching about sin, righteousness. So don't get offended if I preach about how it ought to be. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't get offended. He's not talking about me. Not talking about me. Listen. Satan would much rather us get out of here. But we're going to be here a while. If the Lord tarries. So what does he do? He tries to frighten us out. If he cannot frighten us out, he tries to get us thinking in worldly terms, getting us involved in a worldly system of behavior, getting us patting ourselves on the back because of what we do or don't do, and we get arrogant and proud, and our light goes out. And we wonder why we're worried, can't go to sleep, wonder why we need prescription pills to even think straight. You are the light of the world. I want that to settle in on you. But for us to be in the world, yet all of our hopes, all of our interest and our thoughts be on God and His kingdom, now that is what defeats the devil. This world is not my home. Somebody say amen. I know some people that's more faithful to their maters Tomaters, sorry, 
Wow, that was scary, wasn't it? The singles group was wondering what I was getting off into. Tomatoes, sorry, maters, go out every day. Every day. Talk to them. Oh, come on, Big Bertha. Oh, come on, big boy. Oh, come on, better boy. Talk to me. I'm going to put a cage around you. I'm going to water you. I'm going to give you some fertilizer. Come on, honey. I'm going to pull these weeds up. I don't want anything messing with you. Come to church and balance your checkbook. Check your Facebook. I wish you'd give that due diligence to the kingdom of God. I wish you for a moment would realize if the Lord comes, your better boys are going to be eaten by somebody else. I don't want anything holding me here. Somebody else gets my corn, so be it. Oh, Brother Gene, I'm mounting a 50 caliber on the top of my barn because I don't want anybody getting my boat. Guess what? If the Lord comes, they can have it. So you know what my attitude now? Oh, well, wait a minute. If the Lord comes, that's different. No, it's not. You're the light of the world. This world's not your home. Your attitude right now ought to be, this world doesn't matter. I'm not going to love this world nor the things in it. Well, Brother Gene, then put your boat out there on the corner and tell them, first come, first serve, you can have it. That's a good idea. I think it's very important, saints of God, that this world doesn't get us distracted. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us to overcome sin. Nowhere. Scripture distinctly says that we are to overcome the world. You notice we are not ever told to overcome sin. You know why? Because we are delivered from sin. But we are not delivered from this world. We have to overcome this world. And to overcome this world, I've got to fight against it every day. I've got to remember that I'm the light. I've been delivered from sin, but I've got to have victory over this world. And I don't get deliverance from the world. I, I, get, I need to overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4 tells us how I overcome the world. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Don't have any struggle with things of this world. You know why? Because I'm born again. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? Look at this. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Did you see it? The key to your victory is your relationship with Jesus Christ. He that overcometh the world is the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John 16, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. John 14, 30, hereafter I will not talk much with you. Isn't that wonderful to hear your man of God say that? I'm not going to talk to you much any longer. John says, I'm not, Jesus said in John 14, I will not talk much with you hereafter, for the prince of this world cometh. Look at this. But he has nothing in me. Let me ask you something. When the devil shows up and tries to put worry in your mind, does he have anything in you? Does he have any property? Because if he does, he's going to stake a claim. And there you are in fear. I wish we would make all the property God's property. Somebody say amen. The Lord said, the prince is coming to attack me, but he has nothing in me. And I can be the same in this world as the Lord was in it. He was the light. I can be a light. John 4, 17, I close. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How many would like to be bold in the day of judgment? Because as he is, so are we. Let me ask you, how impacting is your life right now? Let me ask you about 
your friends at work, your friends at school, how impacting is your life right now? Because this verse says, your boldness in judgment is gonna be that as Jesus was in the world, so are you. In other words, Jesus left to scatter 200 Jesuses in Salem right out of this church. Somebody say amen. The church glorifies God not by getting out of the world and saying we don't do that, we don't do this, we don't, no. The church glorifies God by radiating His light that is in it. Heaven is not the place where we will glorify God, it's the place where we will praise Him. The place we glorify God is here, right now, by being what He said we are, and that's the light of the world. Let's stand together. Let's pray right now. Lord, I pray you help us to leave this service.